Good afternoon. We were just driving by, thought we'd stop in and have some lunch. Welcome to Lydia's Last Guest, the podcast reviewing, breaking down, Easter egging, and black fight finding the HBO series Lovecraft Country. I'm Daryl. I'm Rosalyn. I'm Sean. Today we're going to be talking about episode nine, the penultimate episode, Rewind 1921. Overall, how do we feel about the episode? There was a lot going on. Definitely. I mean, like I said, I like the theme each episode, and this theme for this episode was definitely generational trauma. Just PTSD. It was just all of that. Well, that's been the, I guess, the concept of the movie from the beginning, trauma. Yeah. This one hit home. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's, 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 it was a forgotten history at a point in time. And that's yeah. sad to say. Yeah, because with this episode, they go back to Tulsa. And I would say last year with Watchmen, Tulsa came up. And it's, and it's 2020. Next year is 2021. So it'll be 100 years since the uh, Tulsa massacre. And I feel like last year when the Watchmen did it, it, it really inspired a lot of conversations. I talked to a lot of people about it. A lot of people that had no idea it ever even happened because the American government kept it a secret for 75 years. Because I want to say I learned about Tulsa definitely in my adult life, but it wasn't like I want to say I learned about it probably like my mid-20s. So probably like 10 years ago is when I first learned about Tulsa. I didn't learn about it until not even like a few years ago. And I'm well over that. But it even still, it wasn't, it was just like a, a phrase. It was like, oh, the Tulsa massacre. I didn't like deep dive or f- actually find out what exactly happened. And all I knew was it was, it was sparked by you know, an accusation of, you know, a a black kid touching a a white woman in an elevator. That's all I knew. Aren't they all, though? Yeah. Mm. I'm about the same as you, Dara. I probably learned about it 10 years. I started watching a couple of documentaries called Hidden Colors. And it's about, it's basically a bunch of black, um, African-American and African scholars. And they basically do deep dive history lessons on African and black cultures and they they talked about that in depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like the. And when, the I'm oh, sorry, no, I'm and when I when I first watched it, I was like, "What?" I'm like, "I why have I never heard about this?" And then I started doing some research about it, and it just blew my mind. I'm like, "This is absolutely crazy." Yeah, but like that's what's crazy about being a Black American. It's like, like, and I heard somebody else talking about this. It's we know white history you know mm-hmm. we know white pop culture we know it all but we also know like this secret history that like no one else is aware of mm-hmm. you know it's just stories told down from generations to generations that aren't put in any books you know we know about this stuff mm-hmm. and then and then once it comes to light people are surprised and they're ashamed that they don't know these things but it's like you kept this covered you kept this hidden you weren't supposed to know Mm-hmm. Like and even the mo- people of Tulsa, like they they said it was never spoke of again. Yeah, like even the people, yeah. like they like the next day. Yeah, people went around like it. It was a normal and, day. And they said like some people were able to rebuild, you know, because they just you know had money. But the insurance company, the claims, they were never you know they were all denied and never you know never fulfilled. 
So yeah, it's tough. Y'all want to dive into the episode before we get to yeah, sad talking yeah. about all of this because yeah, cool. this conversation can go on forever. Yeah, right. yeah. and but, we and we got to talk about Tulsa and, and everything yeah, else later. We're gonna get to. So yeah, let's uh, start off the breakdown of this episode. It starts off with our heroes in a room over D trying to figure out how to fix this. And pretty much everyone's pointing the finger at everybody else. Right. You know, and it's, 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 when I watched this scene, the first thing I thought was, okay, you're all pointing the fingers at each other, but it's all of your faults. Like Ruby says, mm. you know, but because wasn't she a part of them looking for her. I thought, wasn't she supposed to be looking oh, for her yeah. too? She was definitely yeah. too. How's she gonna but, say it's all y'all fault? Like you wasn't a part of it. Exactly. I, I feel like when Ruby was saying it is because you see the people that are blaming each other, and she's like looking at her, looking at y'all, like, "Yo, why are all y'all sitting there trying to shade shade one another when all actuality everybody was a part of this?" Oh yeah, but, but she doesn't say that. Yeah, she did. She did. She could have said y'all. She said y'all are all to blame. That's what she said. <laughs> See, I, and I think I think on that retrospect, because all the because they kept a lot of the stuff hidden and they didn't as a secret. Now that these had to pay the consequences for their actions, she's mm-hmm. like, "Yo, y'all to blame for this because we, this all could have been avoided if we were all told about it earlier. Like if D was told about magic, and there are some people out there that can hurt you." She would have watched herself. She wouldn't have probably went out the house. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely talked about that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, if if these people just had a couple conversations, like they're right. not in half the shit they're in now, right? You know. But we also said that that's true to, yeah. to black people. Yeah. Like, yo, you you don't think about what you could have done until after it's too late, right? You know. Oh, that's 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 a running theme in this show. Everybody, these revelations happen. It's like, damn, I should have did this. I should have did that. But I mean, but that's true to people. So, uh, so after all pointing the fingers at each other, Ruby shuts that down, and Tick gets the idea. Like, look, I'm gonna give her Titus's pages. I'm gonna call <laughs> Christina, and she's gonna come do this. And Letty stops him because, oh, first <laughs> Letty told Montrose, "We're not doing no magic." Because we don't know about this shit. We can't do mm-hmm. it. We can't be fucking around with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And now we find out that we can't give her Titus's page, the person that does know magic, Christina, because she gave them to Christina. So, like, when that happened, like, Letty's a hypocrite. We've talked about this before. They're all hypocrites. They're all yeah. hypocrites. <laughs> all but I, I say at the same time, I look at Letty's position where she, she knows she's pregnant. And she's in a, in a she's in that position with Christina where she's trying to do it for Tick. She's trying to make the sacrifice for Tick, and he tells she tells him like, "No, I'm not going to do it for him. I will do it for you." And then she she's realizing, like, "Oh, I'm pregnant. I got a baby, and I, I want the baby to live." So it's like I I, I kind of understand she's in between a rock and a hard place. It's like, do you waste this opportunity? Because as we see the repercussions, if she did waste the opportunity, she wouldn't be here probably right now. Oh, true. She'd been dead already. Yeah. So I, I understand. I get it. Like, even when it happened, like, even when it, when it happened, before you see the repercussions of her actions, like, yeah, I still understood because you're between a rock and a hard place right now. Yeah, you, I'm definitely you not no mad choice. at her. I'm not mad like, at her for making that decision. 
I wouldn't but, be mad at any woman for making that decision. I'm like, yeah. Yo, but at the same, that. that still doesn't not make her a hypocrite. Like, she's yeah. still, you know. Yeah, that's definitely, like, one of the things that I do like about this show is, do I agree with their decisions? No. But do I understand them? Most definitely. Right, Most right. Definitely. And that's pretty much all across the board for every character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is super impressive on uh, Misha Green's part, because... There's a lot of shit that I watch and I'm like, this is stupid and they're doing stupid stuff and mm-hmm. I don't know why they're doing but it's it's few and far between with Lovecraft Country. It's yeah. Rare that I come across that. Um but, so they just so they find out that uh they can't use Titus's pages as a bargaining chip, so they lose some leverage. So Ruby's like, I'm gonna call Christina, she'll do it for me. All right, because Ruby and Christina have this relationship and how real do y'all think it is? I think it's real. Oh, Roz no. don't think so. <laughs> I think it's real. Roz don't think so. I, I, don't, think it's real. I mean, no. I mean, I'm starting to think like kind of how she explained it to her, but I still don't trust Christina. Like, there's always an ulterior motive with her. Like she said, and maybe it could have just been an opportunity. But why did you approach Ruby to begin with? Yeah. Like, what was your motive for approaching her in the bar? Like, that was calculated. Like, let's not, you know, oh, I just happened to meet you. No, you, you know, you knew she was there. You went to her. Like, no, definitely at first it was definitely calculated and it was meant to get into that household. But Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe when everything started to play out, emotions got involved. So you think their relationship evolved? Yeah, I think their relationship evolved. Oh, def- I definitely think that. I definitely think that, but I don't. I don't know how much. Like, I feel like Christina is Ruby expendable. I think everybody's yeah. expendable with Christina. Everybody. <laughs> Christina, everybody is. Everybody's expendable with her. Yeah. 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 But wait, so the <laughs> one thing I did want to say, yeah, before I, I... before that happened, when uh when Letty told them that she had the pages and she traded it for immortality, you know, her, whatever. What do you call that? Invulnerability. Invulnerability. And Montrose was like, running up like he was about to... <laughs> oh, yeah, Montrose was about to do something. Montrose wasn't about to do nothing. Montrose would have hit a, a force field and fell on the ground. Wait, but did y'all see Ruby? Ruby was like, oh, oh hell no. Like, he I said, you better calm to- down. <laughs> Montrose would have got his ass whooped in there. Oh, yeah. Atticus ain't have to do nothing. Montrose would have got his ass whooped in there. It would have been great. I was cracking up. Ruby was ready for it. She, uh, Atticus trying to hold him back. Ruby was like, come on, sucker. Yeah, yeah, Ruby was ready. (laughs) But but at the same time, you you understand why Montrose is is the way he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, it definitely, it definitely, tear, it definitely pulls at your heartstrings because you want to see everybody happy, but everybody can't be happy at the end of the day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, I love Montrose because as soon as Letty said that shit, he called her out on her, her hypocrisy. Yeah. Right, he her right. right out. He was like, "You said no more magic. Yep. You said that, Letty." Like, yeah, I, I like Montrose. He ain't shit. I mean, but he ain't shit either. So, but. <laughs> I like my trust. Like he's love he's, hate relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after uh, Ruby decides she's going to be the bargaining chip, she calls Christina. Christina comes through, and she's like, "Look, I can't cure it, but I can restart it." 
and she says she needs all these things and the blood of the closest relative. So that's when Tick looks over at Montrose and is like, Pop, it's on you. And Montrose looks shell-shocked already. Like, because he knows what it is. He knows he may not be the closest blood relative. It may mm-hmm. be Tick. Then we get the title sequence. We get flames in the book of names. Um, and I didn't catch this on the first watch, but I saw it on the second watch. You mm-hmm. see a woman burning there. Yeah. And, and I was like, holy fuck. Um, so then when we come back, uh, it's Christina as William visiting Captain Lancaster, who we find out has been chopping up the bodies of black mm-hmm. men. Black people. Yeah. And put and using them to basically regenerate himself whenever he gets hurt. Crazy. Yeah. Like what? So all um, that time we we're trying to like, what is that? I automatically thought it was like a black person spare parts or something yeah. like that. But it was like, is it like dead skin? Is it like why is it dark? Like you know. Yeah, because we were like, it's, it's, it's like a Frankenstein type thing. Yeah. On. They definitely killed him off real quick, though, bro. Oh, yeah. It's like, the way they killed him off, it's like, yo, you just could have killed him off with the monster on the last episode. Right. See, y'all, nah, Christina needed that gratification. She needed yeah. She yeah. needs some closure. She needs some closure. So, was it, so what is she saying? That rock is preventing him from regenerating? or? Yeah, I think it's like a spell block. Mm. Like, it's it's... It's not stopping him from regenerating to heal. It's regenerating the wound. Oh. So it's like a reverse regeneration. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. But it was it was uh it was kind of cool. And it was and this is this is something because that ties up a, a loose end from episode five. You know, now we know what that was, we know about what was in the closet. All of that. So Captain right. Lancaster's entire shit is wrapped up. Now. How the hell does Lancaster die in the books? If he like he's such a big character, because like he when you watch this, he, they, like I said last last episode, they reduce him to a minor role. I don't think they reduced him to a minor role. I think that with Captain Lancaster in this, they could have easily did a little bait and switch and made him the main bad guy in the series in episode ten. They could have easily done that and it would have worked. Mm-hmm. You know. I think we saw enough of him and we felt enough of his presence in this in the previous what eight episodes mm-hmm. that he was he was a legitimate threat. You know. I feel like he loomed there, but he was never that big of a threat. Like I never got that, yo, Captain Lancaster is gonna wretch come through a wretch. I never got that that vibe. Yeah, like I got that he was gonna be a problem, like yeah. a nuisance, but like to be the big bad, I didn't get that. No, I, I definitely yeah. got the vibes of, especially in episode five, um, when he goes back into his office and he's talking to his cronies mm-hmm. and he's basically like, I'm doing a song and pony dance for these people, you know, because it's like he's trying to be a usurper, you know, mm-hmm. like, that's the vibe I was getting from him. So if he was to become the big bad guy in episode 10, I was like, all right, I get it, you know, but I'm glad that they're going with Christina. Because Christine mm-hmm. is fucking. Well, like I said, in, in the books, how did they portray him? Like, what was his different work, from the show? He's, he's, um, it's similar to the show. It's very similar to the show, except he's more of the adversary of, of Caleb. And he's, he's not around as, 
he's in the book. It's sim- It's super similar to the show. Like his mm-hmm. presence looms, but he's not like a focal point. He's one of the char- one of the main characters. He's super dominant in the last. Mm-hmm. I want to say like three chapters, but it's it's super similar to this. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not too different. Like does he die? They kill him off like this? Oh, everybody's dead in the, in, <laughs> the, in the book. Yeah, everybody's dead except for all the the colored folk. Um, yeah, they all make it out unscathed. Um, but you know, but we're not at the finale yet, so let's mm-hmm. not talk about the book because I don't know what they're going to pull mm-hmm. from the book for episode ten. So let's let's do that. Not next week. Let's do a wrap up the week after. All right. And then okay. we'll do the book and the show and, and really just get into how we feel about it and all and everything. So Christina as William sees Lancaster die through William's eyes because those are the eyes that deserve to see Lancaster die. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he, what what do he do? He killed him and dumped him in a river. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, she uh goes there and what now this bugged me out. So when Christina comes there as William and watches Lancaster die, why were his cronies just standing there? Yeah, they, they couldn't. They couldn't do anything. What you like, mean? They couldn't do anything. He had a darn uh, cleaver in his hand. He could have yes. chopped them or something like something. Listen, they, they white white person got magic. They knew. They knew what the deal was. They like yeah. They knew spells too because they were like we they, did the spell perfectly. They probably knew very minimal spells. They probably knew that one because they needed to because it helped keep you know, Captain Lancaster. He needed someone else to put it on, put it on him. And when uh, he's laying there and they're doing that surgery, when they're doing that operation on he needs someone to put the um, spell on it. But I'm pretty sure that Captain Lancaster never wanted them to be strong enough that they can usurp him. I don't know, bro. I don't think that Christina could have told a spell quick enough to get that cleaver from chopping her head off. I don't know, man. I think so, man. And she, she's probably invulnerable. So it probably wouldn't have worked. That, okay, you, you get that. She's yeah, probably yeah. invulnerable. She yeah. probably has that spell on her. Wait, maybe she does because whenever we see her as William, she's got that that uh, on the chest. Yeah. So maybe she, she is invulnerable in the skin of William. That's super possible. All right, didn't think about that. All right, so ooh. So one of my favorite scenes is next. Mm-hmm. Montrose is chilling in the garage drinking some uh, road rash. And Tick comes in. Takes the road rash from him, takes a sip. A little too strong for him. They have a little conversation. And and Montrose is like visibly shaken by all of this. You know, he's he's pretty much since his brother died, he's he's been pretty much lost and just trying to do the best that he can. Right. And Tick comes in, reassures him, tells him, yo, you're doing a good job and your blood's going to, you know, help out D. And this is when Montrose drops the bomb. You might be George's son. Props to Jonathan Majors because, like, the silent acting when the line was delivered to him, you see him stand there, his eyes water, he's trying to, he's putting things together in his head. And first thing out of his mouth, just like when he found out that his father was gay, first thing out of his, out of his mouth, mama cheated on you with Uncle George. Like, everything revolves around his mom. Like, right. it's, it's, it's his, his vision of his mom is being shattered every, with every secret that comes out. And 
And that's that's crazy. And Jonathan Majors does a great job portraying that. Um, right. I mean, that shit sucks for Atticus. Right. Um, to be confronted with all these truths at such a rapid pace. Uh, Your father's gay. I'm, white people got magic. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. There's a lot of shit. There's a lot. Of he's thinking about how his life could have been so much more different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all the horror that he went through didn't have to happen if if he had just known that little, you know, inf- fact of information, or if someone had taken responsibility, his life could have been so different. Yeah, because because when he says that sitting in the chair, hiding from Montrose's ass whoopings, he would look mm-hmm. at George working on the guide, wishing that that was his father. Right. And that's that's tough. That's super tough. And then Montrose's reaction, you know, saying that they had an unbreakable bond after surviving the the riots, as he mm-hmm. put it. Um, which which okay now. What the hell does he mean they had an unbreakable bond? I get it. You're survivors of some trauma. But hold on. What was their relationship? It was like everything was understood. I ain't asked no questions. When you was with me, you was with me. I guess he said, like, because all three of them, they had that moment together. It's like, I guess she loved them both. I don't know. She loved them both. That's what I mean. Like, no questions is asked. Like I understand be, that you love the both of us, and because Montrose is really gay, and he was just wanting to be a family man, just for his own sanity, that he accepted it. So okay, so all right, now this is now okay. This is what I'm trying to figure out now. How Hippolyta comes into play here, because if the three of them are together. Did Hippolyta come along and then George fell in love with Hippolyta? Or possibly on the fact that he knew she was married, like they were married and he had to respect their union and he had to move on and get his own. But they never clarify, were they married first? Yeah. You know, so that's that's what I I feel like like they were. You got to look at the ages. You got to look at the ages of D and. and Tick. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, Tick, according to the book, is 22 years old. Mm-hmm. 22. So, Diana, I would say she's at least 12. Right. So, a 10-year difference. So, maybe when she got pregnant, he decided to take responsibility and marry her. Okay. Since he was saying, like, you know, this has to be mine. Like, so, maybe that was his, you know, saving grace. Like, let me let me claim this take responsibility and marry her. Okay, yeah. And because he was he was gay, that was also to protect him as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Check us out doing some fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, cuz cuz that 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 kind of bothered me cuz it was like, all right, well, why didn't George just marry Dora? And then boom, that's it. Like, what right. why continue this going on? And maybe but, that was a sacrifice that George gave for his brother because he his knew bro- his yeah. brother needed that more than he did. Damn. Damn, this shit is deep. All right. <laughs> so as they're having this conversation, as uh, secrets are being revealed. Damn, he did say that. He did say what? Oh, when he uh, said, George, more for me. Yeah, then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, definitely yeah. did say that. 
He definitely did say it. Wow. Holy shit. Okay, there you go. Check out you, Sean's Sherlock Holmes. All right. Um, so as they're having this conversation, the the, the hero of the story returns. <laughs> <laughs> I did not oh, like the way her, she just walked her in. Her up because she I did not like out, that. Right? Bro, she had extended vacation. Yeah, you just gonna come up here? Oh, dude, sick! Like, what? Where you been? Like, oh my god, no! I did not like the way she just came in there all nonchalant. Her unemployment benefits ran out. She had to get her ass back to work. (laughs) She had to get her ass back to work. She's like, oh shit, I'm a mom. Like, yeah, like what? And the way she just kind of walked in all aloof, like. To me, I I would feel like she would come in there with a little more passion. Like I don't know. Like she just was just not there. Like I don't know. Cause she didn't seen some shit. Like yeah. yeah, that's your baby. That's your daughter. Like look that's, at her you know, wrist now. Her wrists yeah. are crazy. So do you think that might have taken away some of her humanity? No, yeah, I, I don't think that. I don't think that. I don't think it took away any of her humanity. I think if anything, it it. Because to me, I feel like she's above that now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she ascended. So it's like any, like, you know. I got that vibe, too. So, wait, hold on, hold on. So, wait. Oh, we'll talk about this later, because that, that's a that's a question I have concerning Hippolyta and concerning the future of this show. Yeah, I um, got that vibe, too. I'm like, Because I'm like, hold on now. Alright, so Hippolyta returns. Um, so now, Matros and Tick don't need to gamble on who's the closest relative and poor d done fully transformed yeah d done transformed to a pickaninny twist and all (laughs) which is crazy hippolyta shows up she can uh we can use her blood now instead of montrose or tick so we don't know who tick's father is and we've and christina successfully reverses it uh restarts the curse not reverses it right and um after that, who's in the room? Oh, yeah, Christina. Oh, word, good looks. <laughs> so there was like three of them. I'm like, <laughs> that works. Could be one of them. <laughs> uh, so after they reversed, after Christina reverses the curse, Ruby and Christina take off, and Letty gives chase. Now, Ruby makes a lot of good points <laughs> when she talks about why she's yeah. going with Christina and why Letty needs to be coming too, like. Letty, it's like, I didn't, like try it. To retort. I didn't like over, it, uh, but what she was saying made so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the hard truth hurts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Cause she was like, she was like, I was shot. And then she was like, by her father. Right. Like, yeah. Ruby wasn't fucking around. Like, I don't yeah. trust Ruby. I don't, I don't trust Christina. So. Right. Like Ruby, and it's like, do you really know? Like Ruby, do you really know her? Like to be caping for her like this? Like, I don't know. Nah, uh, yeah. See, I, I had Ruby. I put on a pedestal when I first met her. Like, mm-hmm. but now. And then I don't like that she didn't. She try to throw that. Oh, just like Mama and all her men and this and that. It was like you was doing the same thing. Like I don't oh, yeah. understand. Oh yeah, that's great. The exact same thing. Hypocrisy. Look. Yeah. I mean, these characters are loaded with it. And then when, when Letty hit her with the, well, did she tell you about the autumnal equinox? And she just stood there like, oh, well, not everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But she can't show that that she's like, oh, wow, I didn't know about this. You know, so. 
know, obviously she's not telling you everything. Yeah. But Ruby's still happily or not volunteering car. everything. Yeah, but then when she asked her, Christina told her. Like, That's why I said she's not <laughs> volunteering everything. Yeah. Like, if you ask me a question, that's one thing I do like about Christina. She's usually, if you ask me the question, I will give you the answer. Right. Like, you yeah, may not like the answer, but it's straight, yeah. straight into the point. Yeah, she, she's real straight up about, about all of it. All right, so then we go back to the garage, and Hippolyta then took over everything. Um, she, she's got D loaded up in the car. She's asking questions about the curse. Um, she's saying that we're going back to the observatory and we're going to fix the machine. Because Tick's like, yo, the shit's broke. And he, she's, she pulls out a tool from the future. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nah, I'm going to fix it with this in like four hours. Yeah, why was that just yeah. in the toolbox like that? Like, <laughs> how was that just in the toolbox? Yeah, I. I mean, was that? Did she carry that with her? Did, she didn't carry them. Too, I know in a toolbox with her to the observatory the first time. Hold on. Mm. Okay, beyond that, where the hell did she come from? I'm a loss of words. The machine at the observatory's broke. She had no car. So yeah, I'm, I'm super confused where where the hell Hippolyte even came from. Like, she, like, like I said, she had no vehicle. Like, how did all this play out? <laughs> yeah. I need to see this. And she comes back with tech from Earth 504, and she's been there for 200 years. Extended vacation. Yeah. Horrible mother. Like she said, like she's proud about it. Yeah, I'm there for 200 years. What? Yeah, oh. I can I can name myself. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. I'm like, girl. I, I was feeling, like, nah, I was feeling her on that because they were trying to like really trying to curve everything. Oh no, well, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that, and I get that. Tick was trying to tick. Yeah, I get that. I feel it. But the way she broke it down, oh, I was there for two hundred years. And I'm like, whoa. At what point did you think, yo, I need to get back to my damn daughter? Right. Who's caring for my child? Like, yeah, and but she breaks it down like in, in our time, it doesn't mean anything. This time is irrelevant. But it's still, you were there for 200 years. At one point, like Rosin just said, who's caring for my child? You going to make your way to hell back home. Like she said it for 200 years, learned everything she wanted to learn, which I love it. It, it makes it, make, it gets her character so much more depth. But at what point was she gonna say, "Yo, I gotta be a responsible parent to get my ass home"? Oh, Hippolyta should be in jail. That's why. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. That's oh, I'm saying. We need, we need some D, D, what DSF, DFS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to get down to the nuts and bolts of it. I'm like, yo, I understand what she did, and like this was needed <laughs> for the story. But as a responsible parent, oh yeah, nah, she ain't shit. Just like um. Just like uh, a tick been in his job. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I still wonder why the hell tick don't got a job and why Letty ain't mad about this. Oh, boy, you, you know, know why. why. Hey, yeah, yeah, come on now. Mm-hmm. You know why she ain't Cause, mad. Cause, cause, <laughs> because he repairs things at the some house. some sorry Negroes living that life right now. <laughs> tick does some repair work at the house. He fixes mm-hmm. things around the house. He yeah, repairing he walls. <laughs> oh. Them walls are gone. <laughs> them walls ain't coming walls. back. <laughs> oh, man. Now, what gets me is Montrose, as, as Hippolyte is talking, Montrose is like, yo, 
I don't know where you've been, but you start to sound crazy. Now, hold on now. Everybody's crazy. So nobody's crazy at this point. Like, you done time travel. You done seen some shit. Like, come on, bro. You done dealt with magic. No mm-hmm. one's fucking crazy. How can you accuse this woman of talking about some shit? This is how it is in the Marvel movies, too. And I think we said this in the previous episode. It's like, how can you tell somebody that shit is crazy when Thor is on Earth? Alien invasions are happening. Doctor Strange exists. Like, just accept everything anybody will tell you at this point. I promise, if you told me aliens exist, I believe almost anything at that point. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm like, I, I I always do have that belief that yo, there's extraterrestrial life in in another planet. But if I got proof of it, huh? Aliens exist. (laughs) Oh, I believe anything. Anything can happen now, bro. Yeah, you gotta at that point you gotta just accept everything. Yeah, you gotta accept everything. You gotta let yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next scene, uh oh, we go to the, the the odd couple, Christina and Ruby. And Christina explains Dell to Ruby, you know, says who mm-hmm. she was, your sister hit her in the head with a shovel. I told you she ain't dead. She ain't dead, yeah. She's in a coma. She's in a coma. Uh, well, she ain't dead yet. <laughs> yeah, she ain't dead yet. Yeah. She's getting so, drained of blood. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Christina explains Del to Ruby, and then Christina explains pretty... She answers all of Ruby's questions. Yeah, that's right. I said that. Yeah. Every time Ruby asks a question to Christina, Christina gets her the answer. Yeah, she straight up tells she, her that, like, she, she was... She may it. not like the answer, but... Yeah, she straight up tells her she did all of this shit. She's, she needs Atticus's blood, and make sure she says all of it. All, all of it. Um... She, she ain't beat around the bush. Yeah, didn't beat around the bush. And Ruby was just like, yo, so you're not going to fuck with my sister, right? No, and I don't need like, nah, just Atticus. So Ruby's like, cool, I can live with that. And then goes in and kills Dell, and then says that she always wanted her avatar to have a redhead, to be mm-hmm. a redhead. She always mm-hmm. saw herself as a redhead, yeah. yeah. So kills her old avatar. She wants a new avatar. So are they going to kill they want to find a redhead, bro. <laughs> Yo, so Ruby's all in. Yeah, Ruby's, right. Ruby's been bought into the magic when she say, had a conversation. Is Ruby, Ruby going to be the new Kato? Like, what? <laughs> Ruby, she's a sidekick. Like, Ruby's going to get what on? she wants. She's, she's going to get what she wants. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, Ruby's all in with this shit, which is, which is pretty wild. I mean, I just hope it ends well for her, but, yeah. Ruby, I did an episode... Uh, one, not anymore. <laughs> Ruby can go. Ruby can go. <laughs> no, I mean, but with her ambition, like she's doing all this to with the possibility of having, you know, all these options later on, right? With magic, like she's mm-hmm. looking for this her world to open up. That's why she's in it. She's, you know, holding fast because she's like, I know eventually this is going, you know, benefit me in the end. So I'm trying to hold it, you know, hold in there, but. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I hope it does end well for her with her, you know, making all these choices, bad choices and, you know, sacrifices, so. Uh, I don't think it's going to end well for Ruby. Depends no. on how far she's willing to go. Yeah. My Actually, my guess with Ruby is she's probably going to be the just as from a narrative standpoint, she's probably going to be the one to unravel Christina's plans in episodes. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. she might be being propped up to be that, which 
you know, if she is, we see it coming a mile away, but I won't be mad at it. Right. You know, so when we come after we get done with Christina and Ruby, we uh oh, we go to Kentucky, which in episode seven, we thought we were going to Kansas for the observatory. Yeah. Mayfield, Kansas was uh what was thought the observatory was in episode seven. But after watching this episode, because I follow Misha Green on Twitter, Misha Green said that was the mistake in episode seven. Okay. She went to Mayfield, Kentucky from the rip. So right. that makes Tick's story a little more plausible. Right. How he got from there, from St. Louis to Kentucky so quick. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so it, all right, it did happen, though. It wasn't said. It was just a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it was a mistake. Yeah, the the, right. the 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 Atlas of Kansas wasn't supposed to be on the screen. Right. Yeah, because it never said Kansas in bold letters like it usually does for the. It just game. said Mayfield. Right. It just said Mayfield. Yeah, and then we saw the Atlas, and yeah. But, I wonder how. I wonder how someone missed that. I mean, how did someone miss eight years later in uh, Homecoming? But isn't there an observatory True. in Kansas and in Mayfield, Kansas? I think there is an observatory there. Like an uh, actual one in real life? Yeah. Oh, I, hmm. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't actually. Yeah. I haven't looked up any of the observatories oh. in relation to this. See that there, I am not doing my homework with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know because is there an observatory? I mean, if there's one in Mayfield, Kansas, then I don't think there's one in Mayfield, Kentucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe this was just for this show. I guess I don't. We ain't, know. We ain't Kentucky. What we need an observatory down here for? Word. So we get to the observatory, and before going in, Montrose is having flashes of uh, everything that happened in Tulsa. He's having flat of of ev- pretty much all every traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And, no, just Tulsa, right? Is that the flashes? That yeah. Yeah, he's he flashes, flashes, of so flashes of his father and everything. Because he knows what he's about to walk into. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, let me polish off this road rash before I walk in there. And he goes in. He goes directly up towards Letty, where she's nursing D, and has like a little conversation with her. Basically lets her know he knows she's pregnant. I love um, the dialogue between them two. Low-key lets her know that it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And he basically tells her, like, yo, like, you're playing a part in the death of my son, and mm-hmm. it's not cool. He called her a piece of crap, basically. <laughs> and yeah. not so many words. He called her a piece of crap. Yeah, and, and tells Letty about Atticus's trip to the future and how he knows all these things. And we go to Hippolyta and Tick, and then they're working on the machine. She's got the whole fucking thing fixed, so... She needs a, a, a photograph that's in Montrose's wallet to like tether because that this was another question that I had. Another not question, another issue that I had yeah. is they go back to Tulsa, 1921, and they go yeah. to the exact date that the shit happened, just a couple hours prior. Yeah. They couldn't go to a day before. You know, they couldn't go like like when yeah. shit. Happened. That bothered me because it's maybe like, because right. they know where the book is on that day. 
Yeah, because 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 uh, they well, know the, the book is in the house. They know the book is burnt up. You know, burns up in the house. So maybe that's why they went to that day because they know was the, the picture. The was the picture taken on that day? I don't. I don't know when the if the picture was taken. On the day. I See, no like that's all. That's what. I, that's the only explanation I can come up with because the picture was taken on a day. It's like all right. This is that memory from that day, that moment. Oh, uh, that's possible. Yeah, if if that was the case, then all right, cool, I get that. Then you're tethered. You have to go to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, if you just have to go to Tulsa, because she she doesn't specify anything. Yeah. She just says on this earth. I think they leave that to the imagination because she lets you know the machine is a multiverse machine. It's not a time travel machine. So, and it's it's kind of cool how when she's cycling through everything, like it beats like a heart, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So Montrose gets the picture. All this happens, and uh, what is what does Hippolytus say? Uh, Hippolyta saying that we need something to no, we need the picture to triangulate, and then we need something to we need a motherboard to uh to what like stabilize it or whatever. Yeah, and Buddy's yeah. like, "What's a motherboard?" And she's like, "I am the motherboard." And it's like, yeah. "Okay." Bro, she, whips out, like... she whips out her 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 digital veins and plugs up. Into she the, tried to boss up on everybody with that. Yeah. And she was like, whatever y'all got going on between y'all, bleed that shit here. Like <laughs> completely takes over. Completely takes over. Yeah. Now, see, this is my thing. Like all this shit happening with Hippolyta. It almost reminded me of when she jacked in of that Johnny Mnemonic. Remember that movie? Oh, Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. With, yeah, uh, with uh Keanu. <laughs> it almost and reminded all, me of that. Ain't those crazy? And I, and she's like getting at everybody else in all actuality the only reason why your daughter is in this predicament is because you left a book at the observatory oh you mean because Atticus left that book there no Atticus is no, no, speaking no, no, no. the place oh my black. goodness did, did because Atticus, Atticus, bring, did Atticus bring the book in the building nah but alright so Daryl when you hear cops coming it. when you hear cops coming we're in 2020 Daryl you have Cyrus coming you got time to um, sleep in your room nah <sighs> While we having this conversation, you know, oh, that's a black man in 1952. I mean, but he had time to try to bring Hippolyta back. He fucked around with the machine for a little bit before he left. Okay, you fucked around the machine for a little bit before you left. You hear sirens coming, like, okay, you still don't got time to sleep around. Listen, you, you, listen. all he yeah. had to do was look down. That's it. Yo, um, that's too much. That's a lot <laughs> going on right there. You know, I've lot. already talked to you about this in episode. We're not about to talk about this again. No, she's a f- blame for that situation. She it's needs to take some responsibility for it. All right. So, all right. So Hippolyta, the, the motherboard, plugs into the machine. She stabilizes. She, she opens up a portal to Tulsa, 1921, the day of the massacre. And Atticus jumps through readily, of course. Letty right after him. Montrose visibly shell shocked. He's standing PTSD, there. bro. Mm-hmm. No crazy PTSD because, like, if you think about it, Montrose lived that day when he was a child. This, this was a defining moment. This was the most defining moment of his life. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it definitely it, it. The the trajectory of his life yeah. was from this moment that day. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's he. It's trauma that he never got over. It's, it's, he never got to deal with it or anything. So 
he's having a hard time jumping through that portal. And then when he jumps through, like he's still stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, Atticus is is super gung ho because he he's heard stories, but he doesn't know. Right. You know, and there's no book. It's it's 1955. There's no book he can look in that's going to tell him about the Tulsa massacre. We could we didn't know about that until recently. Mm-hmm. You know? So he's very much like on the go. Like, yo, we don't have that much time. We got shit to do. Let's get it. And Letty's the same way. Whereas Montrose, who went through this, he's like, uh-uh. Like, he's got right. so much trepidation. And they peek out into the hallway. Tick hears something about a prom being canceled. The Booker T. Washington school's prom got canceled that day. If you look it up, this is true. This really mm-hmm. happened in Tulsa, which is crazy. Like, the attention to detail that, that Misha Green and the writers of this show, like, they really take into consideration everything. And it's right. super impressive. So they decide that they're going to change their clothes. They're going to walk around. What I, what, what I thought was interesting, the two girls that were walking, like the boldness of them, the arrogance, like mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, crackers. Like why are the white guys standing right there? Like mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, that lets you know right away, like what type of time you went, like, you know, what type of time they was on. Because it's like, well, obviously they're somewhere to where they feel entitled and, you know. Right. And aware enough Lima. to call a cracker a cracker while a cracker right there. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that was black that was black Wall Street. That was majority of black America's money. Right. In one concentrated area. Yeah. So yeah, they own everything in that spot. They you you and it's like Rosin just said, it shows where they were. Mm-hmm. They owned everything in that spot, they just felt entitled. Yeah, and like Tulsa was was super dope because like that whole area was founded, I want to say, by someone in Arizona that had a lot of money, uh, Arizona landowner. He came to Tulsa and then brought some land and invested in it. And then all the black people that came there in turn did the same. So it just grew from there. And Greenwood was, I want to say, a place in Mississippi that they used to name the street. And then that eventually became the name of the entire neighborhood. It became uh, Greenwood, Oklahoma, which an outskirt of Tulsa. And through all of that, um, this super prosperous city was was born. And, you know, it, for it to get taken down. And Well, we're not at that part yet. So mm-hmm. let's, let's continue on with this and before we get to the tragedy. Yeah. Um, so after they leave and they're walking the streets and everything, they walk past the Dreamland Theater, which is playing the GOAT, and it's with Buster Keaton and Virginia Fox, I believe. It's only like a 27-minute movie. Super short. I watched it. And it's basically a series of, of unfortunate events. It's okay. one guy does something, he kicks a horseshoe, and it leads to a whole bunch of shit. He gets mistaken for a criminal, and mm. the real criminal is around. A whole bunch of stuff. And that's pretty much what this episode is. It's it's one thing happens and it leads to a whole bunch of, or the idea of that exists. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go back into the past, when you deal with time travel, the whole butterfly ripple effect, you know, that's something that's very big in this. And the Dreamland Theater also is the theater that's featured in the first episode of Watchmen. That's where young Will Reeves is sitting watching the the serial of of um goodness i can't remember the black sheriff's name in the movie that he's watching Damn. 
that's gonna kick me in the ass later. Um, so he walked past the Dreamland Theater. Montrose's PTSD is in full effect, and it kind of sucks that like Tick sees it and just writes it off. Mm-hmm. You know, he he automatically goes, but you get it because he just got hit with this secret. So he's still riding high on those emotions. And he doesn't he's understand the magnitude. Right like he doesn't understand the magnitude of what happened either, too. Yeah, he definitely doesn't. He definitely doesn't. Um, and like he just said, like um, Mancho said something that in that moment, like you never been a war. You, you you don't know what war really is. Right. Right. Yeah. Because because the war that that Atticus is experienced in the Korean War is. A country versus country thing. It has yeah. to do with him personally, and what what Montrose has experienced is hate based on the color of his skin. His skin, he, and and like, it's to the point of bullets and bombs. And it's you just know, like so, our, when so America he, went to Korea, we were the dominant force. So we went there, overpowered them, and you look at the situation that happened in Tulsa, or you got a bunch of white people smothering a black community overpowering them with all the weapons and we we had really no way to defend ourselves and fight back yeah like like and that's the thing that like when you look at all these little moments in history and how they mark them up as riots and and all these other things no they're all fucking massacres Mm -hmm. all of them because it's not that we didn't fight back we were grossly outnumbered and, outnumbered and and it was what it was like yeah, so so to call it that is is super disrespectful to to the 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 things that have happened in our history, and that's something that really needs to be changed because that kind of bothers me. Like like mm. when you look up all these different atrocities and that's how they label it, you know, like it was something that was that was that was equal footing, equal ground, and nah, it was never that, never. Right. We were chilling and they came and wanted to fuck our shit up. Right. That's exactly what and because we fought time. back or attempted to fight back, it became a riot. A riot. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. We the did, riot was them coming in, tearing up all looting all the stores, looting our houses before they burned them. That's what it we, was. And killed we us. We didn't yeah. we didn't lie down. Exactly. Right. Exactly. We didn't That's lie. That's what it was. You know. So we passed the Dreamland Theater, Montrose PS, PTSD, ticks like, yo, you and this bullshit, because he smells the liquor on his breath. I mean, come on now. Like, I understand. Tick doesn't know what happened. Letty doesn't know what happened. So that liquor on his breath to them is just, oh, you're just a fucking drunk. Yeah. And you're not no. with this mission. You're sabotaging us again like you did back in episode four. Right. This is and, me preparing for war. <laughs> you know, and as they continue to walk, they uh, Montrose eventually leads them to uh, the the home of the Freemans, and we don't know Dora's last name now that I think about it. Mm-mm. So takes them to to the two homes of the families, and this is when Tick finally gets a glimpse of the abuse that his father experienced at his grandfather's hand. Oh, before we get into that, I'm sorry. One thing I would love to take note on how beautiful the city was. Of Tulsa? Yeah. Yeah. That's one. Before we get into that, like, the abuse and everything, like, for a, a predominantly black city, it was gorgeous how they portrayed it. And I'm pretty positive it was that way. 
Like yeah. when you look at pictures from that time of of Black Wall Street in Tulsa at that time, it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Now, do you wish that they had more of that in this episode and less of the massacre? Yeah, I really do. Yeah, okay. I really do. Because okay. I'm one of the people I like this. I like this. I love to see what black people build. Mm-hmm. Like the massacre was a huge part, but I would love to see more of what they built. What was there? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we know we hear, you know, we read that. Okay, there there was a hospital. Mm-hmm. There was churches. There, you know what I mean. But to actually see to it, see it, even though it, you know, it's just a pic, a, a pictorial, you know, vision. Mm-hmm. It's just. It would be nice to to see that. It's just like when you watch Black Panther and you see Wakanda, like you hear mm-hmm. about it, but when you visually see, it, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like it, you, right. it just takes your breath away. Yeah, and you felt yeah. We should have definitely gotten more of that with um with Tulsa. Mm. We should definitely got more of that. Yeah, because it, it's it's it starts off good, but as soon as they get there, they're mm. getting alerts that. Shit's canceled because shit's about to pop up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get to get to see them chill and just live and see how prosperous it was. So yeah, I definitely feel you on that. We definitely get too much massacre, not enough. Yeah, of the beauty. Prosperity. Yeah, not enough yeah. at all. But um, all I gotta say is Montrose should have picked his damn switch because that branch is dead. Oh God! <laughs> oh, let's get, let's get to that. Let's get to that now. Yeah, he's that damn branch he broke off like what the heck but i feel like he should have uprooted the damn tree yeah (laughs) but this moment was very important for tick like tick needed this moment yeah yeah tick needed this moment yeah because it was like what like less than less than 20 seconds ago he was telling his father well montrose as far as he's concerned at this moment he was telling him, like, yo, as soon as this shit's done, yo, we're done. We're like, done. This is it. Like, and Jonathan Majors. I mean, this was his episode to act. He, yeah. he really did a, a, a great job. Like, like Journey's episode was episode three. This one was definitely... This was him and Michael K. Williams. Because Michael yeah. K. Williams did a great job in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tick needed to see that, and and he he saw it, and it hurt him. And then George comes out, and George ain't shit. George just stands there, watch his father do this shit. I, I think that gave Tick a, a different outlook on George. Too. I hope so. I like, hope it, so. It, it definitely I think it did because, like, yo, you just sat there and watched your brother get the living crap beat out of him, and you didn't do nothing. But then when he sees his mom stands up, and he didn't do nothing, he like, what the hell was up yeah. with this? George wasn't shit. George wasn't shit. And it's actions like that that makes me think that Tick is not George's son. Like, there's, there's, there's so many things that Tick does that, to me, says he's Montrose's son. So mm-hmm. many things. Um, but what do you think he should have done in that moment? What do I think that, that George George. Yeah, like that's his father still. Stood up to his father. Yeah, yeah. The way the way that he was beating his ass, and he knew why he was beating his ass. Mm-hmm. He could have definitely stood up to him. He could definitely said something. Did you don't think he had a fear as well? I don't think he did. I don't think he, like it's two against one at that point. It's like yo, it's it's both of us against you. Because I'm thinking, and now that I'm thinking about it, George. 
could possibly be playing both sides of the fence. Like if I stay in the good graces of my father, at least that will be good for mm. both of us. You know what I mean? In a way. Because he's really sympathizing right now. Yeah, she definitely is. But he definitely I'm, still, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm just yeah. saying, like what you're saying that he was I'm just thinking like as a child, what what am I to do? And especially as a boy and that's your father. But you same time, you look how George's father looks at George. He said, at least there's two men in the house. Mm-hmm. At least I'm not, or I'm not the only man in the house. If George wants his father to say, yo, stop. It's really not that serious. If you look at me as a man, he, George would step to him as a man. I think his father would have respect, that respect. Because mm-hmm. even but, when you look at the picture that, that Montrose pulls out of his wallet, like you see Verton, the father. Mm-hmm. He's got George in front of him, and he's like holding on to him like, this is my son. And you see Montrose in the he's behind them. Like mm-hmm. you got two sons. And this is the only one you you care about. The other one, you're not even touching in the picture. Right. Like George, George had more power than he thought he did. And and he could have done something to, to help his brother out more. Yeah. Damn, that, that's a really good picture. I mean, that's a really good question. We should look at that picture a lot more to see what they what they were wearing. Was George? Well, it looks like on. Montrose has on what he has on with that hat. He has so on like that the hat. All, mm-hmm. So it could have been the same. It could the picture could have been taken from the same day. Oh, probably because like it was George prom. So the dad dad wanted to take a family photo, and that could have been the same day. So where's mom at? That's a good question. In the house. The mom, this, listen, it's the mom. The mom ain't doing it. It's, it's nineteen twenty. I never heard them talk about their mom. Yeah, yeah really. They, they really don't talk about their mom. Is this a Disney show? Single parents. Mom got to die. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? Moms are always dead and gone. Yeah, because because you don't even see uh, Dora's mom either. Well, one of those ladies, I think, is her mom. Mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the one lady, yeah. I the grandma and the mom one. and the daughter and the sister. Yeah. They it was made three sure women. Knew, they made sure we knew about grandma. But they Grandma they is very important. They definitely the matriarch, uh, the matriarch of the family is very important. Oh yeah. Well we'll 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 talk about uh Grandma Hattie. Grandma Hattie the shit. Right. <laughs> but uh yeah, so Tick sees all of this, he sees his mother, he calls for her. Which was which was real uh, crazy because like we we never get a clear idea of when she died in uh, Tick's adolescence, so he didn't have that much time with his mom. And to see his mom as a child, it really connected with him. Um, so that's when Letty realizes that Montrose then took off after Dora comes and rescues young Montrose, and then that's when Tick and Letty are like, "All right." What are we gonna do? Is is like how do we do it? Like we can't go get Montrose and we can't go get the book. So they decide to split up. Tick is like, I'm gonna go get and he's always calling him Uncle George. So I'm I'm guessing that he kind of like Montrose is his pops. He kind of mm-hmm. feels that way as well. Uh so he decides he's gonna go over there and Letty's gonna go get the book of names. But before she leaves, she says, um, we should name him George. Now, this blew my mind because what the fuck has, has she seen that she thinks that they should name this child George? I don't know. Maybe because he knew how much he loved his uncle? I don't know. 
Listen, know. something's happened in this show. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I try to figure it out. I think it's that's just one because of she knows to... how much he loves his uncle. I don't think. I don't know. Then he gave this look like, mm, like he wasn't feeling it anymore. Well, maybe yeah. it just clicked because he knows his name's going to be George. And he was letting her have that moment? Yeah. And yeah. he's not going to be there to name him. Well, so he thinks. Mm. That's, that's, that makes a lot of logic. Think, I don't think they should name him George. I don't think so either. Like, <laughs> trust me, Daryl. I'm on the same team as you. Like, no, you know, I've 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 always thought Uncle George was. But but then again, I do got. But then nothing. again, we gotta say George may have sacrificed his true love to make his brother to get for his brother. I'm torn. Like, all right, I'm torn. Let's say you sound like an Uncle George sympathizer now. No, I'm trying not to be. I'm trying not to be. Right? I'm very torn. I'm I very think torn. each one of these characters can have you torn I, by yes. their actions and you know what I mean, like their potential. I think all of them, like, not they all D. have you torn. Not D. Not well, D. Yeah, not D. D's innocent. She's a child. D's D. Like, that's, 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 that's D. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, like, last week, we wasn't questioning Hippolyta. Now we questioning Hippolyta. Yeah, yeah, we get to, yeah, we wasn't questioning Hippolyta. Oh, I ain't questioning G. It was like, she's, yeah. she's we are oh, had this Lord. conversation. Okay. I'm questioning G. I'm not questioning G. <laughs> oh, man, you gotta nope. question G. I'm not questioning G. Oh, we got G. no G in this episode. Team G. All right. <laughs> G and D. Everybody else, they get an asterisk. Yeah, I mean, none of them. Ain't none of these characters shit. They all f- super fucking flawed. So, after they split up, where does Tick... Tick goes to Montrose, and he's trying to stop him from uh, warning Uncle George. And this is when Montrose informs him, like, nah, it's not to save George. Mm-hmm. It's to save this boy, Thomas. And he explains who Thomas is to him. And Tick is like, yo, you can't save him because it's it's like if you save him, that fucks up the future. And Montrose tells him Thomas won't mean much. He's just the first in a long line of sacrifices I had to make to be your father. Yeah. And it's and Tick's reaction to that is like, the fuck does that mean? Like Yeah. He, he stands back and he's kind of like, what do you mean sacrifice? Because I don't think Tick ever really understood. Tick, Tick, he definitely didn't understand. Yeah. And, and once he saw his father getting his ass beat as a child, and now he's hearing this, it, his, he's, he's starting to develop a better image of his father, a truer image of his father. Right. And, and that kind of fucks him up. And, and Montrose continues on as they're watching this. Um, he tells him all the sacrifices he made. He tells them about him and George and Dora. And even though he could possibly be George's son, it doesn't matter because he had to be his son. He wanted him to be his son. And, and yeah, that's all he ever wanted. That's all he ever wanted. He and wanted I think. To be- and, and, and that's when you see you see Montrose crying and you see and this is funny because I was talking to somebody and she was like, We took a shot for every time in this episode that Tick was crying. Because mm. apparently Tick cries a lot. But when Tick was crying in this moment and you see Montrose crying a lot, like that defeats a lot of toxic masculinity. Like mm-hmm. the whole image of men can't cry around each other, which is bullshit. 
Like, yeah, like if something moves you that way, then nah, you let that shit out. Don't repress those feelings. And that's what you get between these two in this moment. And Tick tells him, like after Montrose tells him, like, yo, no matter what, I'm going to be your father. This It's set in stone. It is what it is. Tick tells him, yo, you better be right about this, Pop. Like he, he calls him Pop. He tells him, all right, then you are my father. I'm accepting this. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting you now. It's, it's all in your hands. And Montrose takes a couple steps, but he doesn't go. Yeah, he he realizes he's like, yeah, Yo, I could, I possibly could be. If he possibly realized he can be the hypocrite that he called Letty. Yes. If yeah. he did that, he like, "Yo, I can," because Tick says, "I can not be here if you make this decision." And it came, it came to fruition, like, "Yo, I really am messing with something I shouldn't mess with." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he stops. He continues to tell his son the story. And he tells him that, like, yo, I've always told you the story of what happens this day, but this part I left out. I've never told anyone this. And it's when he's there with Thomas, and then all the white people start rolling up, and they, they're, they're all ready to go. And f- out of fear, he and Thomas grab hands. And then one of the guys screamed out, nigger faggot. And then, boom, blows Thomas's brains out. Now, this part bugged me out because like Montrose is in this scene, I would say Montrose is 13, 14. He has this boy's brains on him. Like, and he's standing there with this shit on him. Like that shit is crazy. Like super traumatizing. And that's something that he never got. He said that he had to erase Thomas out of his mind, you know, or else he would have died there as well. But you can't erase those brains and blood on you. Like, you feel that. That's not going anywhere. You know, and that's something that he had to hold on to from the day, from after, from that day forward, and then coming back as an adult to witness again. And this is when I'm starting to think that, all right, Tick is starting to put it together. He's starting to see, like, yo, this is, this is what my father has been through. And, and, maybe I've been jumping the gun in my judgment of him as far as uh, not his bullshit, but as far as his trepidation on this trip now. Yeah. Like, because his bullshit's inexcusable. Like, like he can explain it, but it's inexcusable. It was more, it was more a tick coming to an understanding of why his father is the way he is. Yeah. And like I feel like that, I, honestly, I feel like that was one of the most powerful moments of the show for me. Yeah, it was like Tick realizing, like, yo, my father isn't the animal I thought he was. Like he he, he has some demons he's dealing with. So as they're sitting there and they're watching all this shit go down, they're re- they're now they're at the part of the story. That Tick knows this—the part that George and Montrose have told him billions of times. So they're talk, they're they're surrounded by the white people. Well, Montrose is there after Thomas gets shot. Dora and George roll up like his own personal cavalry, as he says. They come, they fend off as many as they can. And wait, how about the- Dora and and Homegirl fighting? <laughs> Dora was giving it to her. <laughs> Hold on. Like, there's okay, a better got the chicks fighting. <laughs> oh, there's a better there's a better scene with Homegirl later. 
Yes. I was like, yes. yes. I'm all, I'm like, I'm against, you know, yes. um, domestic violence and battery but and all that. But, uh, but for violence situation, against women. It's fit. <laughs> for the situation, it's fit. And I was 100% with it. <laughs> That's one of those situations where sometimes you just need your ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, as, so, as, uh, Montrose and Atticus are watching the whole thing go down. They get to the port part of the story where the mysterious stranger shows up. Except this time, as they're watching, ain't no mysterious stranger popping up. So they go over the lines. They get to the I gotcha kid and Tick and Montrose say it at the same time. Tick is like, wait, we fucked something up. He takes a couple steps forward and his feet hit the bet that Montrose used to break the car window to get himself a bottle of liquor. Right. And I was like, oh, it's him. <laughs> yo, look, when when Tick picked up the bat and 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 looked at it and then looks back at Montrose, when Montrose looks at him and points the finger, you're the mysterious stranger. No. I lost it. I was like, yo, yeah. this is great. I know. Yeah, I was like, this is great. great. <laughs> and then Atticus at that point, he's like, look, I know the story, so let me go live it out. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. and beats the shit out of all of them. Um, Yo, when he hits homegirl. Oh, yeah. I wanted him to keep hitting her. Like, I wanted him to continue. Well, the one he, he hit off camera, he's oh. going off on this person. Like, blood is flying all over the place. But yeah. No, when he hit homegirl, I was like, yes. Like, the nerve of you to even attempt, like, what are you how, doing? How do you think she feel for us in life? Like, yo, a black man beat the shit out of her with a baseball bat. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, for the rest of your life, like, yo, you gotta build that. <laughs> you yo, gotta hold he, on to that one. Yeah, he trashed their whole crew with that baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah, so we find and out Like that, he said, they only had one gun, so that was good. Yeah. And, and it was cool because um... And this happens later on in this show as well. Later on in the episode, Atticus is fulfilling the hero role for the child version of his father. You know, like this is his his idol. And later on with D, with with her mother, she fulfills the hero role for her, which right. is really cool because it's it's. And I think that this happens a lot in the black community that we look at our heroes, and our heroes are entertainers for the most part i mean i know especially in the 90s it was super prevalent it yeah. was it was i want to be like mike exactly <laughs> it mm-hmm. was it was either rap or basketball you know and now for something like this to happen like oh my heroes are a part of my family it's homegrown you know and that's really cool i really really enjoy that with this show that they're not looking outside and jackie robinson is someone that they definitely look up to yeah but this mysterious stranger Addis come to find out that he's Jackie Robinson. He's his own Jackie Robinson. Yeah, he's he's his father. He's a Jackie yeah, Robinson of his he's own. His father story. and his mother's hero. Like, that's crazy. Oh, shit, crazy. Damn. Yeah. Good, good, really good cool. one, Daryl. Really cool. So, after they split up. And um, uncle. And his uncle. Or, or daddy. Who knows? Or daddy. After they split up, Atticus Dave does all that Montrose, Letty actually goes to the home of Dora's family and on her way there she gets chased by a bunch of crackers um 
they shoot at her and then that's when she realizes oh shit my invulnerability spell works here too so she's she would have been dead we talked about this earlier yeah she would definitely been dead so she gets rescued by her grandfather-in-law who brings her into the house with her other grandfather-in-law and they pretty much devise a plan and this is where it's like kind of crazy for Letty because she has to lie because like of the three of them that went back to Tulsa in 1921, Atticus came back pretty much unscathed. He had a lot of family revelations he had to deal mm-hmm. with. Montrose had to relive this shit, and Letty had to lie to people that she knew was going to die. And then she had to watch them die. Right. Like, so that shit's really crazy. So she goes there. Um, they rescue her. They formulate a plan. They're all over the place. Shoot once to, once to warn. The second time is to kill. Um, she's talking to is it Dora's cousin, who's also sweet on George Freeman. I thought that was her I sister. Was the sister. That was yeah. the sister. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was her sister. All right, so she's talking to her sister, and, and the sister is sweet on George Freeman, and she tells the sister she's gonna be okay. No, she ain't gonna be okay. You know, and then but tells you know her what I the, love though, and that to go back a little bit when she was running from the the white people how the dads came out on the porch and was shooting back. I was like, finally, like not everybody is just like, yeah, you know, like I was just so glad to see them shooting back. Like, come oh, on yeah. here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it I, was just so nice to see. Oh, yeah. I love, I love her track speed. Yeah, she, she out, had, right? <laughs> she was out. <laughs> she had it going. I was she like, was okay. Gone. Track yeah. star. <laughs> you know, damn converses. Go let that be known. She let that be known. Yeah, that's yeah, what the got form her and everything. Running in his damn shoes. <laughs> and Laverne and Shirley's. Yeah. Oh my God, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets she, to the house. She talks to all of them. Um, and, and this was something that was cool. When she gets to the house, Grandma Hattie quick fast looks her yeah, up. Yeah, she's looking like yeah. <laughs> she's Who like, you? "Who are you?" <laughs> so after she reassures um, Dora's sister, she goes upstairs because she's like, "Look, I'm here to get the book of names. I'm gonna find it." She's looking through all this shit, and then Hattie walks up onto her. "What you doing in here, gal?" <laughs> and by the butt's cap in the ass. Uh, but Letty tries to get his bullshit excuse. Oh, looking for a better shot. I just saw you close the drawer and you telling me you looking for a better shot. So Hattie whips the gun out on her quick fast and was like, ain't never seen no shoes like yours before. <laughs> and is ready to like blow her brains out. So in this one, she has the quick fast. She Letty says, fuck it. I'm just going to explain everything. I'm from the future. I'm here with your great grandson all this shit, I'm pregnant with your great-great-grandson, uh, Dora's gonna marry Montrose and have a baby, all this other shit. And, and I feel like at that point, she gotta know she's gonna accept it at, in some way, because she knows magic exists. Yeah, she did. Hattie does. You know, so she, yeah, like, so yeah. Hattie, like... Does um, Hattie know magic like, exists? Yeah, because she knows the, book of the, book. the book's bound, and you can't, you can't get into the book without um, the spell. Yeah, and she hands her to spell the words that she has to say. So yeah. she's aware that magic exists. So Letty at this point is just banking on her, you know, knowing this and accepting what she's going to tell her in yeah. some form. But one thing I did love how in this moment plays back to which episode was it when Letty had the vision? Uh, being in the fire. 
Seven. I love I, I, yeah. And I love how that played full circle. The vision of the fire? Yeah. Uh, I mean well, did it though? I don't Let think it, it was for this. Yeah. Think about it. In the autumnal equinox that she was having she was having a vision of the autumnal her, equinox yeah but all right you gotta look at the um position that, that was going on um tick's great 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 grandmother was in was leaving out a burning house pregnant with a book what what happened in this episode Good point. I didn't think about it that way. I really did. Pregnant with a book. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, so Letty the Unburnt. Um, <laughs> let's talk about her. Uh, so after pleading with Hattie, um, Hattie's gives her the book. And this, this like no safe or nothing. All Letty had to do was just move that damn picture and she'd have got the book and could have just left. <laughs> I'm like, yo, like Letty, Letty just she's bad at looking for things because she should have <laughs> just tried for shit. And she'd have found it and then she'd have been fine. Um but Hattie uh she hands her the book and then Hattie says after all of this, had what what I liked about Hattie is she was like, yo, I gotta go save them. She's about her family in the here and now. I don't give a rat's ass about the future right now. Mm -hmm. I got to save these people. Um, but then she accepted it. And, and the line, when my great-great-grandson is born, he'll be my faith turn to flesh. Bro, really that hurt. Really good line. Um, Ooh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, Hattie's the shit. Um, mm -hmm. God better be ready for her. Uh everything about her. Um, Hattie was really cool. And then she told, she gave Letty the book, told her, get out of here before, you know, you can't get out of here. That's what Letty tells her about the invulnerability spell. And that's when she asked her to pray with her. And she sits there and she prays with her. Now she's praying with her. Sonia Sanchez's Catch the Fire is playing. And it's all types of craziness happening. Um, Hattie's catching on fire. She's burning. Her hand is safe because that's what's holding on to Letty while the rest of her is in flames. Um, that was tough to watch. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, because even though Hattie was on screen for all of 10 minutes, um, she you just know how important... She became a legend in 10 yeah. minutes. Like, and to, to watch her burn, not even just to watch her burn, to watch anybody burn. And, and with, the, with the connection of what it is, you know, mm. Tulsa, 1921, it's like, fuck, she's it's not just, burning. Even a, it's sad to think about the potential of these people. Yes. Like, of what it could have been. Like, I mean, rest in peace to all of them, but like, it's just sad yeah. to know what we lost. That's like that, people. That, that goes with every massacre. Mm -hmm. Like every massacre for our culture is like it's sad to say what we've lost because, like we talked about Rosewood area, that was a growing community of black people. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's and that, like this episode in particular really got me thinking about the the 
post I made on Facebook um, about a month ago um, about the different black massacres. And it's like, like just to go through a couple of them, like Springfield 1908, it was 5,000 white people targeting black residents and like mm-hmm. five black people ended up dead. Then you have East St. Louis in 1917. Where, where, were there only five black people? Yeah, I was about to say. Exactly. <laughs> were there really five exactly. black people? Was it really? You, five we're about 5,000 white people and you're going to tell me only five yeah, black only people five, ended up yeah. Yeah, You know? And then you get St. Louis in 1917 where 40 to 250 black people died. Like, like that's a huge gap in between mm. numbers. You know what I mean? Then you get Chicago in 1919, 23 black people died. Mm-hmm. Um, Elaine in 1919, 100 to 237 black people died. Uh, a Coe, Florida in 1920, 30 to 35 black people died. Uh, Philly, 1985 with the move bombing, 11 black people died. Mm. Charleston, 2015, nine black people died. Like these atrocities happen all the fucking time. <laughs> like it's this isn't this is within the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, hundred twenty years. Hundred twenty years. This is the last hundred twenty years. All that shit happened, and that's not even scratching the surface on on the things that happened. The tail end of the eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Like. This is crazy. This happens all the time, but we're reminded constantly about 9-11. We're reminded constantly about World War II. You know, anything where we're the victims or we're the good, not we as in Black people, we as in America, anytime that happens, we're, we're told to remember it. But for shit like this, it's, it's, it doesn't even get put in the fucking books. Like... It's it's crazy. I think because too, um, like you said, when it's America, it's it's from an outside invasion. That's when it's it's memorable. But when we're committing crimes against each other, we don't want to remember that because you know we can't possibly, you know, it's a stain on how great America is. Yeah, like when it's an outside source, then yeah, we you know we'll we'll remember those victims forever because it was done to us. It's but like, it's like when well, we're doing it to each other. I had a conversation with somebody about 9 11. I said, All right, how many people um, died on the World Trade Center? About 3,000. I said, All right, when America did their retaliation bombing, how many people died? Mm-mm. He said, I don't know. I said, 30,000. Yeah, but. Around 30,000 in our retaliation. And just in that first retaliation bombing, around 30,000 people died. Yeah, but see, we're never going to talk about that. No, th- never going to talk about that. You don't think people will be pissed the pissed the hell off? Oh, like that their, their entire culture, history, museums, all that was destroyed. And that's supposed to be Ill- illegal, but America targeted museums. Yeah. They targeted cultural cultural sites. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah, when when it's here. Yeah, as long as as long as this country can play the victim, mm-hmm. as long as we have a face that we can paint as the enemy, it's okay. You know, it, it's something that's worth remembering, commemorating, mm. you know, and having a conversation with someone talking about the the climate of the country around nine eleven. They were like, we were so united in all of this shit. I was like, hold on. 
I was like, I have Middle Eastern friends that were vilified around me. I was about yeah. to say, they were too. You know, I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, and then and I was like, it was, I was like, oh, we were united. I was like, we were probably just as united as we were mm. when we were jumping into World War II. You know, I was like, we were probably just as not united as we were then. And I was like, you know what? Who was vilified then? The Asian American people. Mm. I was like, so don't, I was like, spit that shit somewhere else. Like, we were never united. It's never, that's never been the case here. Ever. It's, it's been white people go fight my war for me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's wild. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And talking about all these atrocities in the show, Tulsa is burning. Um, you see Atticus and Tick make their way back to the Stratford Hotel Letty makes her way out of the house and there's there's it's a really it's it's a it's a sad shot but it's also a really beautiful shot mm-hmm. when the camera pans out of the house that Letty's in from out of that flaming window and you see the house on fire and then it pans and you can see the rest of the block and the rest of the block is lit up mm-hmm. you know and it's so harrowing, you know, like it's 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 tragic. It's sad as mm-hmm. fuck. But it's from a from a cinematographer's standpoint, it's it's a beautiful shot. Right. You know, and and, and at first and I was like before I read before I actually read the poem, I was like, what does this poem have to do with this scene? I mean, other than everything being on fire. And then I'm like, after I read the poem, and then you can hear the, the, the music that's playing is the poem, but they're, they're just singing it. And I'm oh, like... they do the operatic one? Yeah. 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 And I'm like, oh, so I'm looking, like I said, I'm reading the poem, and I'm like, okay, so this poem to me is basically like an attestation of like the will and like the resoluteness and the fight of you know, just the black man's ability to overcome adversity, like just through all like this, like you said, all these massacres, all this stuff that's going on, you know, like I said, there were a lot of deaths during this time, but at least there were people that that did have or did find the money to come back and rebuild. It took, you know, it took a while, but they were still able to do it. I mean, there was a lot of lives lost, but it's just, you know, the will. And that's why I said, like, you know, when everybody's having, uh, breakdowns and you know the economy and black people just like all right like <laughs> you know <laughs> today's we'll, Tuesday yeah <laughs> we'll today's be, Tuesday we'll keep making it and as I said I'm like and even when and it's in reading this poem I thought about um Jay-Z's verse on what's free with Meek Mill I don't know if you guys heard that song with Meek Fire. Mill Rick Ross and Jay-Z has a verse on that song and it's like it's basically this poem but it's 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 so like his his verse on that song is so like just magnifying. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I like what's free. I like his verse on what's free. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a whole fan. So we see Tulsa burning. We've got Catch the Fire playing the operatic version. Um, they get to the Stratford Hotel. Uh, Montrose reliving everything just looks out the window at the street and just sees things on fire, just everything burning. He's 
He's reliving it. And I loved his monologue. I loved that. Yes. yes. Did you look yeah. up any of the people that he named? Well, the Dr. Jackson I knew of. That was the, okay. the, the world-renowned, mm. the black doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the store he had mentioned earlier in the show, Briars, how they, yeah, that's Briars. where he had gotten his, his suit jacket from or something yeah. like that. But I, that, was, that was the only one that I knew that, that I actually looked up was Dr. Jackson. And yeah. he was a what was he a doctor of chronic diseases and and diseases in women or something like that I think he I think was, so. yeah, yeah. So and they said he was like for the Mayo brothers from the Mayo Clinic named him the, the most able black doctor. I mean I don't know what that's saying, but yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> right. it was like you know he they named him the most able black doctor and I they, think. Uh, a that lot means, of the tools that we use, he, you know, he and he created with some modifications. I think they're saying now. he's the most able doctor, but by, but he, he's also black. Yeah, yeah, that he's the most competent doctor to do your surgery. But if you want to know, he is black, and he treated black and white, so mm-hmm. that had to say something. Yeah, yeah, they probably felt he was better than they were, mm-hmm. but they were like, we gotta say he's black because then that'll put him under us. Yeah. You know. Um, now, so Montrose noticed something's going wrong, going wrong with the portal. And even though his pregnant girlfriend isn't there, first thing Tick does is jump through the portal. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. He's going to check it out. He's going to see what's going on. And then never <laughs> jumps back through. <laughs> he, he, he's like, yo, the hell with these Negroes. I'm out. So he, he jumps through and Hippolyte is foaming at the mouth. Shit is crazy. Yeah. Hair turning blue. Well, we ain't get there yet because she starts yeah. levitating first. Uh, true. <laughs> that shit was nuts. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Hippolyte are doing all of this. You, you see she's the conductor. Like without her, they can't time travel. They don't make it to 1921. And black women in this country this is what it is they they are uh the engine that keeps things going um and and i was listening to the the podcast the lovecraft country podcast and they had ingenue ellis on there and okay. and she was saying that uh ingenue ellis plays um hippolyta and she was saying that um she was she was going through somebody's writings and and one of the things that they basically were saying that if the black woman didn't exist in America America would have to try to invent the black woman mm. because the black woman has done so much for this country and it was cra- and, and, and puts up with so much that no one else on this planet really has to deal with and it was it was real real i think i mean even that still like the black woman mm. got you through slavery yeah 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 got got you through slave got got everybody through slavery mm-hmm. you know like raise those racist ass kids for the <laughs> you know everything so it was it your was, babies took your beatings like it took your beatings for you yeah let you rape them did they let? let. Well, I ain't gonna say let, let but they ain't have a choice in the fucking matter. Uh-huh. But like, well, it wasn't what, consensual at all. Yeah, and that's what Hippolyta is like in in my eyes in this scene. 
That's what she's personifying. You know, she's hooked up to the machine. She's the one foaming at the mouth and levitating shit. And Tick is being Tick, saying, hold on, do it for D. Think about <laughs> D. Like, like I said, Tick ticking. Tick ticking. That's all he does is Tick. Oh, my goodness. Like, I was so high up on Atticus in the beginning because I was like, yo, I, I black nerd in the shit. I get it. I feel yeah. He's me. I'm him. But now I know one of the guys that I work with, he just started watching and he's like, yeah, that that tick guy, he's like really cool. He's I was like, yeah, just keep watching. You're going to you going to hate him, too. Uh -huh. Man, yeah, tick kills me. Um, So after all that's happening, he's doing this. Montrose is just reliving the horrors. Letty's walking through bombs like she's the unburnt. Um, Bro, that was throwing me through a loop. I'm like, yo, you don't, you got no sense of urgency that you got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, at she all. was kind of lunching, like just chill. I mean, she was, she just experienced something very traumatic. I get very it. True. She's very probably true. in shock. Yeah, but then I feel like feeling and feeling guilty, like she knows she could have done something but couldn't. But then yeah. I feel like she's raveling her power. You think you think she's just flexing? She flexing yeah. right now. Like, yo, things are blowing up around you. You know you have to get out of here. And you're like feeling yourself a little bit. Like, the people yeah. listening can't see. Nah, none of this makes any sense. I would have been out. Like, yeah, I gotta go. Like I knew what's going on. I, I unfortunately I lived a, a a traumatic situation, but I gotta get the hell out of here. Yeah, right. she should have been running. She should have definitely been. We running. don't know what's going on with the portal. Like, we need to get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she should have definitely been running, especially when she's like, "We gotta split up, so I can do this and you can do yeah. that." Yeah, like, and, and she the main one who never wants to split up. Never, never. She's always about the team, always. But she's invulnerable now, so she she we can split up. Yeah. Somebody because you know the bullets ain't gonna hurt her. Yeah, she she knows. She knows. And as all that's happening, we get a, another really beautiful fuck. Damn, up guys. Shot. I was we, I was for a moment I was sitting here, I'm sorry. For a moment I was sitting here like I understand Letty, but now after we had this conversation, I'm like, damn, she's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've been saying that since the beginning. Yeah, like she's an asshole. Yeah, we've been saying that since the start. Like yeah, we kind of we kind of forgot a little bit, but yeah, she been. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely the hero of the story. Um, it's but she's always been a little selfish. I think, I think G is a hero. You're saying? Oh my god! Come on, see if if, 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 if G didn't tell um tell my man what's going on. If G didn't sleep with him, he'd probably be dead. <laughs> like, let's be serious. If G didn't sleep with him. He'll probably be dead. So you don't think that, I mean, the letter is what brought him back to the town, and no. so you think that was, like, in the back of his mind all this time? Like, that was a catalyst for Atticus's journey. Gia. I'm not engaging in this. I'm not entertaining this Gia talk right now. <laughs> all right. It's the truth. Gia. No. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's the truth. Goodness. Th that no was a catalyst walking. for his journey. <laughs> We'll have this conversation on another date, guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, we can let all this loose on on the the next episode, and especially the one after. No, we're gonna do the one after. Yeah, that's, go that's, nuts that's, on the one that's after. That's what we're going crazy on. Yeah, because okay? because yeah, you you and this G is shit, bro. Everybody I mean, I love better, G too. Everybody better tune in for that one. <laughs> well, we all see what you're driven by. Yeah, yeah, clear, <laughs> clear. What am I driven by, guys? Like. All right, so let him walk in. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. We don't get away from this. All right, guys, two weeks from now, you, you we're, I'm going to bring this back up. I'm going to bring this back up. Your preferences are based on what is attractive to you. No, I, I Not just the... <laughs> I, I look logically at Gia's story. I'm like, yo, I don't blame her for what the hell she done. Rouse, that sounds about right to me. <laughs> I don't blame her on the hell she does. That's like, about right. There's a lot more people, other people I can point the finger at for this situation. How many times have you? How many times have you called Gia Bay on this show? Yeah. How many times? I don't know, man. We're not doing no counting. All right, why are you trying? Why are you trying to blow my spot? I have the I have the count for us on. I don't, I don't do that to you, Daryl. Do I? I'll have the count for us on the next episode. So yeah, we definitely gonna have to make up a drinking game from these episodes. Right? <laughs> How many times does Ross say right? How many times does Daryl say Negroes? <laughs> Goodness, How many no. times is Sean curse? We'll be drunk. <laughs> so as I don't know, that's what that's what Darryl, that's what Sean does. I don't know. That's what, that's his thing. <laughs> So as the Negroes are waiting by the gate, the portal to see if it works, Letty's walking up slow. Um, Montrose is looking at her from the street. And this is really cool because as he's going through all the different events, you see a reflection of Letty um, in the window appearing on Montrose's chest Mm -hmm. um, through the reflection. And you see the flames as well. So it appears like a cross is on Montrose's chest. And she eventually makes herself in as Atticus, of course, is on the other side of the portal. And she makes it in there. They run through. Hippolyta's hair turns blue. Um, still foaming this, from the mouth? Still foaming from the mouth. Yeah, she's got like a whole huge like glob of... Yeah, like, it, it was crazy. This Bro, shows affinity what, for spits. Like, spit. what the like, heck, man? Yeah, there we go. Bro, honestly, it's throwing me through a loop, dude, too. I'm like, yo, what, what, <laughs> what is all this... Drool coming out of people's mouths for it. Like, why? Like, yeah, I don't understand. Even Montrose, when he was going through, he had all that spit in his mouth. I'm just like, can you swallow? Drink some water. Can somebody, somebody get my man a handkerchief? Like, can somebody get my man a handkerchief, please? Please? Yeah. Like, help him out. Goodness. <laughs> Goodness. So, Hippolyta holds the, the fort, uh, holds, the, holds the line gets them all through her hair turns blue she lands tick is holding her and she asks because she's cognizant of what's going on she asks did we get it and atticus is relieved like yeah we he's not not even he's excited we got it we fucking got it and as he says this you see letty still traumatized (laughs) and you see montrose still traumatized so the episode ends there, and we don't get Center Man this time, which was weird. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Didn't get Center Man. So. Damn, I didn't notice that either. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, try, I, I know. I notice when we don't get no Center Man. Center Man, <laughs> when you're going to run right. through. <laughs> so, 
episode nine, rewind nineteen twenty one. Good episode. Um, I think this episode was super fast. It was. It felt fast. I agree. Yeah, it went by quick. It was the the pacing. I'm not going to say the pacing was was breakneck speed to the point that it was an issue, Um, but I think it was it was one of the better paced episodes of the series. Yes. Mm-hmm. It definitely was a much needed episode. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It filled in a lot of blanks and history wise, I felt like it was a very important episode. Yeah, because a lot of people had a lot of questions after Watchmen last year about Tulsa and and talking to them and filling in blanks as much as I could. Um for them to see this now, they get a more, a broader visual of mm-hmm. it. You know, not that it's 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 a true to form visual of visual. what happened. You and know. that could have been like a two episode situation. Mm-hmm. Like they ran through Tulsa, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like it would have been cool if we would have had an episode like, like uh, Sean was saying earlier, episode where we see more of the prosperity. Right. If we would have saw that, and then that episode was a genre in itself. Right. And then the massacre episode is a genre in itself. That would have been cool to, right. to split it up. But 10 episodes. H- HBO gave them a budget. HBO gave them a budget, yeah. Because, I mean, you see how much shit they crammed in the episode two, Whitey's on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have definitely been stretched out a little bit. But. I mean, they they got a, a finale to get to. Do we have any predictions on the finale? No, because I haven't watched any. It, uh, yeah, well, I'm, you don't need I a mean, preview to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, um, all right, I got something. All right, I'll let y'all go you first. Something? You got something? Because I got something. Yeah, I do got something. I'll let y'all go first, though. Let me like, uh, get it together something? in my head. Um, not really. Like, I think. I don't know. I think Tick is going to die. Ooh. But I, I don't. Know if he's gonna stay dead? Okay, okay. Like that. I don't think. T- uh huh. I don't see Tick dying. I see. Um, what's her name dying? Um, what's the white girl? Christina. Christina. Christina dying. Which I would hate because if it's second. If it's the second season, Christina's one of my favorite characters, and I see Montrose dying. Montrose, okay. Yeah, okay. I see. I see Montrose dying. Might he might try to like sacrifice himself for son or something like yeah. that. I don't uh, see. Yeah, I don't see him living past the season. Like, wow. if 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 it's Tick going to have to make it, if Tick's going to make the sacrifice, I don't think he's going to let Tick make the sacrifice for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to allow that to happen. Okay. okay. Like, if you look at the arc that's been building up for Montrose been the last couple episodes, it's been his. Him redeeming himself being a father, right? right. So he still right his wrong. Yeah, he still needs that one moment where he he um where he where Rosin just said he writes his wrong. Okay, I, I've got a couple theories, um, predictions. Uh, one prediction: this could be completely off the wall. I think that Tickin Letty's baby, if it's a boy. I don't think they're going to name it George. Okay. If it's a boy. I just don't think so. I, I think that because Tick is aware of so many things and George ain't shit, I don't think they're going to name it George. 
And and if it's a boy. Now, See, the other is, thing, I think it might be a girl. It would make, to me, it would make way more sense for them to have a girl than a boy. Especially with the way that this series has been since the beginning. It's all about the women in the show. See, all the women in the show ain't shit. All right, so see, I really, I really feel like that it's, it's all about the women. It makes more sense to me for them to have a little girl than to have a boy. And especially since um, the book that his son in the future wrote, mm-hmm. it's fiction. There's, there's a lot of things. He doesn't, Tick doesn't know anything about the actual history of his family in the future. He just knows what happened in the book. That's it. You know, he says, so, he says it's our story. Yeah, but the, he also mentions the autumnal equinox in the book. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that could be something that he doesn't know that never happened in their real lives. You know what I mean? It didn't happen the same way it happened in that novel. You know what I mean? For all yeah. he knows, he's still alive in that future. For all he knows. He never met anybody. He was only there for a little bit. White people were rioting. The person handed with the mechanical arm handed him the book and pushed him back through, you know. So I'm I'm thinking that that's I don't. I don't what event do we think is happening with white people rioting? That I don't know. That that because at first I thought, well, maybe he didn't go to the future. Maybe he went to the past. White people rioting. Maybe he was in Tulsa when they were rioting. I think he's in present day. He's going. He's dealing with something that's going on right now. Which the 2020? Yeah. That's possible. I mean, but if it's 1955, really, he doesn't need to jump yeah. that far ahead in time. Yeah, true. To get to some crazy shit. You know, he can jump into the 60s and come up with some shit popping off. He can jump up yeah. into the 70s and some shit. But, but you got to think about robotic arms. Well, what you mean? Like, as like, far as they're concerned. Or, or even, like, or for him, robotic arm, it could just be prosthetics. When have prosthetics become readily available like I've known people you know, with prosthetics. I've known people with prosthetics. But we don't know if the person is of that time either. True. The right. person that pushed him through the port, you know, push him back. We don't know if that who that is or if they're of that time. But I feel like for what's going on culturally right now in our society, if I if I'm guessing what Misha Green is doing, she's trying to paint a picture like it's she's trying to paint that picture. Like she's leaving it for today? our interpret yeah, like for our interpretation. Uh, if you look at what's going on right now, you got people talking about there's going to be a riot if Trump loses fucking presidency. Mm. Like, we got Black Lives Matter going on. We got cops killing people. Like, there's a lot going on in today's culture that hasn't been going, that it hasn't been this prevalent within the last 20 years. Like, 2020s brought a lot of stuff up to the surface that people have been repressing. I don't think it, it brought things to the surface that people have been repressing. I think that that under the current administration, people that have had these mindsets, mm. they're free to do as they please. They feel the freedom to, yeah. to not have to hide it. Just like just like oh. when just like when say like Obama was president, people that weren't super into politics, all of a sudden they felt like okay somebody's in there or it felt like it gave them a pass you know i feel like that's what's going on right now no, with this current administration no i was mean like people repressing i mean like for people like us like we've been dealing with a lot of situations like i've been strip searched from by a fucking cop before mm-hmm. like i've been pulled out of a cop car and said like oh 
you probably got pounds of weed on you and had been sitting on the side of the street just because my boy was giving me a ride to my, to my mom's house. Like, it's been a lot. Of, I've had a lot of situations with cops where it's like, whoa, like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? So I never talk about these situations. Like, these aren't things that control my life, but they are. It's repressed trauma. Okay, okay. So, so in that sense, you feel like, okay, I got you. Yeah, it's gotcha. repressed trauma. So it's like, at some point, I may, I'm going to have to deal with these demons. Like, that's why, like, every time I get pulled over by the cop, I got my hands across the steering wheel because I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. So, like, we're, we're, we're at a point in society where, like, we let a lot of shit, we let a lot of stuff go for a lot of years, and we're like, no, we're not doing it no more. Like, we're over this. Yeah, I mean, new wave civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically what we're in the midst of right now. Yeah, and that's what I meant by, like, a lot of repressed things that we've been holding back. And it's like, yo, we're not holding okay. back no more. Repressed on our part. So yeah, on our part. Like, I'm thinking. Like, on the other part, that's always been there. Like, that's. Yeah, that's always been there. That's, that's always been there. That's but always... for us, we've been letting a lot of stuff slide. And we're like, yo, we're not letting it slide anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I said something in the last episode in, in relation to D, where the phrase that's been going around a lot lately, the I am not my ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, like, First, that's a harmful statement. Um, I am not my ancestor because I do believe that we are all our ancestors. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the embodiment of everything that they lived for. And, and we're, we're supposed to be the best version of them because we're the mm-hmm. newer model. You know, we're supposed to be, you know. So to say we're not our ancestors, I, I think that that's, that's not a good statement. I feel like we should make, what's what, the grandmom statement of, the new statement that was powerful. I am my ancestors faith turned flesh. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's I, I am my ancestors faith turned flesh. That's real shit. That's yeah. Real shit. Um, Quote. <laughs> Quotes and messages. Um, now, just to shine a light on us for a second. All right. These black people then went to 1921 Tulsa and didn't fuck up the space time continuum at all. Um, like, yeah, like crazy. crazy. Um, yet you watch everything else back to the future, uh, anything with time travel. These, these crackers are fucking this shit up nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, how do you feel you would have been able to do back then? Do you feel like if in your time traveling, do you feel like you would have been able to just carry on the mission? And it, it, it's weird. Like I got a weird view on time travel. I'm like time, like time is real. If something happened, it happened already. Like when you watch when you when we watch um, this episode, and Atticus always had that vision of Jackie Robinson, the Jackie Robinson figure yeah. coming and saving their parents. It happened already. Like, time travel, whatever happened already happened. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing's going to change anything. It happened already. We're just playing it out. Okay, so if you went back there, you wouldn't try to save nobody? No, because I didn't before. If I did, I did. If I didn't, I didn't. Okay, you know now, I mean? see, okay. now, see, that's the thing, all right? And that's, that's, that's one of the issues I have mm-hmm. with this episode um, is, okay, they never establish the rules of time travel. True. And whenever you do something with this, you got to establish the rules. Yeah, true. In game, they were like, look, 
You can go to any point you want. You are tethered to come back here. And when you come back here, nothing's changing. This is what it was. You know, back to the future, you go into the past, you can fuck shit up all over the place. So they never really specify, like, Hippolyta says don't do anything, but they go back and they definitely interfere. And, And I guess, is it because everyone that they spoke to died that day? Yeah, probably. Is that why? Because if they all die that day, there is no tomorrow for it to for them to affect to change them. I mean, other than Montrose and them, because Tick did say "gotcha kid" or whatever, he did speak to them. Right, but was he just fulfilling a role? That yeah, that's, and what that's I said. my he thing. Like Sean said, like with the time travel, is it just a continuous loop? Is it just <laughs> going to happen anyway? Like that's my thing. Like, can you really mess something up? So I don't know. This is weird. This is weird. This show's real fucking weird. <laughs> I just See, love how it crosses all genres. We, we have, really we have these conversations and it's like, yo, damn, that really don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, how that was written really doesn't it's make sense. It's almost like Terminator. Like, just, just let it happen. Like, right. Don't even yeah. try to make sense of it because it's just like, it's, it's going to keep happening and it's, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that, that was the first thing I thought when I was like, oh, when soon as Montrose said, you're the mysterious stranger, I was like, oh, man. I was like, he's Kyle Reese. We in the Terminator. <laughs> here we go. I was like, God damn. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was good. I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I enjoyed the episode a lot. I've watched it probably three times. I'm about to watch it again now. I'm probably about to watch it again right now, too. And yeah. then I'm watching Annabelle because I ain't going to bed for a while. And, and Antebellum. 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 Whatever. I'm watching right. that. I'll edit I ain't going to bed. I ain't going to bed for a while, and then we're going to have this. Then we'll have this conversation in our Discord tomorrow. In our, <laughs> you said in our Discord. Chat, yeah, our chat Discord tomorrow. He said our Discord. Check this Discord. guy. Discord. Oh, right. <laughs> we're going to get one of those popping off too. You right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just preparing us. Right. Yeah, we definitely want to have a Discord. Trust. So I'm just preparing <laughs> us, man. Discord. I just want you. I can't wait for y'all to just watch the movie, just to see what y'all think. Yeah, about. I'm watching it tonight. Like we're gonna have this conversation tomorrow. You know what? It's 10:08. Let's wrap up, and then I'll watch it too. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, right, Daryl. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. Like, <laughs> yo, I, I want to know: Is it one of those movies that after I watch it, I'm going to stop it? I'm going to look at the runtime, and I'm like, yo. I can never get this time back, ever. Nah, but I'm going to stop the runtime now and wrap it up. All right. Because this is Lydia's Last Guest, Episode 9, Rewind 1921. I'm Daryl. I'm Sean. I'm Rosalind. And we'll see y'all next week for our last episode of the season or series of Lovecraft Crunch. Because everyone's OP now, so it's got to be over. So, bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.